Happy Easter, everybody. I am so glad that you are here with us today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And wasn't that just an awesome finish to that video there? He is risen. And that's what we're going to celebrate today, the reality that our Lord and Savior, he didn't just die on a cross. I mean, think about that for just a moment. If all we had was Friday, if all we had in our faith was Friday, Jesus dying on a cross, and we didn't have Sunday, we wouldn't have faith. None of us would be here today. We wouldn't have the faith that we have, and any faith that you would have would be empty faith. But because we have Sunday, because we have Resurrection Sunday, Jesus, God who became flesh, defeated the curse of sin and death that we had brought onto the world. He defeated the grave. Even the grave could not hold our God. And if that doesn't get you excited, you need to check your pulse. All right, because that is worth celebrating. And that's what we're going to celebrate today, our risen Savior. Uh, let me tell you where we're going to go, and then we'll dive into today's message. We're going to celebrate communion in just a little bit, a very symbolic uh, meal to celebrate, especially this time of year at uh, Easter, Passover, to a meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And so we get the privilege of celebrating that today. We'll do that in just a little bit. Um, now I'm hearing the drops of the uh, dice that you've been given. So let me talk about that for just a moment, okay? So you may have come in here this morning, new to Epic, and just thought, um, I'm, am I in the right place? And a little bit weird that I would be given dice uh, in church on Easter. Well, let me explain this before you think it's just like totally sacrilegious and God's going to strike us all dead, okay? So here, here's what we're going to do with these dice. Today, we're going to talk about the great gamble, the greatest thing that you could ever bet your life on. And I'm going to use these dice to illustrate that later in the service. So what I ask you to do throughout the service is just keep these dice close to you. And you may want to just leave it on the seat next to you. You may want to hold on to it. You may want to roll it around in your hand. But just think about dice, like what their purpose is and, and what you typically do with dice. And we'll get back to that later in the message. Now, the second thing that I ask you to do related to these dice is I ask that you don't tell my mom, okay? So don't tell my mom I gave you dice in church on Easter, Okay, so she just might kill me or have a heart attack, and neither of those would be good, all right? So that would just not be good. Let's keep that a secret just between the 200 of us or so. All right. Now, today we're going to look at some of the claims that Jesus made about himself. He made some big claims, some big statements about himself, and either those things were true or they were just a lie. And we're going to explore that together. If you're a Christian, your faith is built upon an event that happened 2,000 years ago. This guy named Jesus, claiming to be God, died on a cross. That wasn't all that unusual. There were other people who claimed to be some pretty big things. There were other people who died on a cross. So not a very unusual thing. But what Christianity teaches what the Bible teaches is on that first Easter morning, Jesus rose from the grave. Now, that's either an amazingly true story, or it's just a story that his followers made up 
Maybe they felt bad. You know, maybe they felt like, hey, we put our faith in this guy and he died and we don't want to look foolish in front of everybody else. So we'll just make up this story, hoping everybody else will just keep believing this thing that we now know is a lie. For years, people have debated what really happened on that first Easter morning. When you think about Christianity, you think about its core teachings, it centers around Jesus. Centers around who he claimed to be, how he lived, how he died, and more importantly, whether or not he rose from the grave. See, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then he was the world's biggest liar. Bible teaches that if someone predicts something and it doesn't happen, they're known as a false prophet. And the Bible says you should not believe anything that a false prophet says. Now, there's some of us that say, you know, Jesus was a good guy. He had some good things to say, but I'm not so sure about the whole son of God thing. I'm not so sure he rose from the grave. But you see, like if if we have a faith based upon what the Bible teaches, then it says if a false prophet predicts something, it doesn't happen, you shouldn't believe anything they have to say. The prophet comes along and says, hey, this is going to happen. It doesn't happen. You don't believe a portion of what they say. You don't believe, well, I'll believe 80% of what they say. You know, um, They were right on a bunch of things, wrong on a few things. The Bible says you don't listen to anything that they have to say because they cannot be trusted. So again, either Jesus was a false prophet, someone who made claims that didn't come true, and we shouldn't listen to anything that he had to say, or he really was God in the flesh. He really did rise from the grave on that first Easter morning. Now, all throughout the Gospels, which are the first four books of the Bible, Jesus told his followers and he told other people around him, he said, listen, I'm going to die, going to be crucified, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. It's amazing how many times Jesus told people that. He said, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the grave. Now, either that was true or that was a lie, and Jesus was just a false prophet. And we are left with the incredibly important decision of determining what really happened. And here we sit. We weren't there together, so here we sit today deciding whether Jesus really rose from the grave or not. Now, listen to some of the things that Jesus said about himself In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So either Jesus really was the only way, or Jesus had a really big ego. So we have to decide, is Jesus the only way, or did Jesus have an ego problem? Jesus said in John 12, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, now get this, get what Jesus is saying here. He's saying to all of uh, the people around him, his followers, other people, when you see me, you're seeing the one who sent me. So Jesus said, listen, when you look at me, you're seeing God. Bold statement, very bold statement that Jesus' audience would have a very difficult time hearing. No one else made those claims. No other rabbi, no other religious teacher. Jesus was making himself out to be equal with God. And that was either true or that was extremely blasphemous in Jesus' culture, which would be worthy of death. In John chapter 11, Jesus said, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Bold words from either the son of God or a guy who had lost his marbles. Now, if someone walked in here today and started making those statements, just imagine someone came in here today and said, listen, like Jesus was mistaken. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to God except through me. What would you start thinking? What would you do? I mean, I'd ask one of my sheriff deputy friends here, like, could you give this guy a ride? He needs to go to the hospital to be evaluated. I think he's lost touch with reality. Well, that's what people thought about Jesus in Jesus' day. When he spoke and said those things, people thought, this is weird. He's making some pretty big claims. He's making some statements that like, we're not exactly sure what to do with this. So some people thought he was demon-possessed. He's got to have a demon in him. Other people said, he's just lost his mind. He's lost touch with reality. There were other people that thought, you know what? He's a good guy. He's got some good things to say. I'm not so sure I believe everything he says, but he's got some nice things to offer. And then there were a few people that said, I I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's the one. We've been waiting on him. He's come to take away the sin of the world. He's the one who's going to make it possible for us to be back in a right relationship with God the Father. Jesus was arrested and ultimately crucified because he claimed to be equal with God. And when he was arrested, he was brought before the religious leaders of his day, and they, had the, um, they held his fate in their hands. So put yourself in Jesus' spot, all right? So you're standing before people who are going to decide whether you live or die, okay? So Jesus knew that how he answered their questions would determine whether or not he was going to live or he was going to die. So they asked him, they said, listen, pointedly, are you the Messiah? Tell us clearly, are you the Messiah? So they're looking intently in Jesus' eyes. They're waiting for his next words to determine what they are going to do. And Jesus has the option. Jesus could say, yes, I am. I'm the Messiah. And he knew that they would kill him if he made that statement. Or he could say, you know, I'm not. You know, I, I just made that up. You know, I had, a, I had a big day one day and I got excited and I just said something. It wasn't really true. I wish I could take it back, but I, I, I can. I'm sorry I said that. So Jesus said in Mark 14, he said, I am. They asked, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. He said, I am. And you will see me seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Again, those were blasphemous words coming out of Jesus' mouth if they weren't true. And the religious leaders, they couldn't handle what Jesus was saying. They were so angry at him for saying that. So they took Jesus, they drug him to the Romans. Israel was under Roman oppression at the time and Israel did not have the right to sentence anyone to death. So they had to get permission from the Romans. So they went to the Romans And they said, you've got to kill this guy. And they said, why? What crime has he committed? He's blasphemed our God. He's made himself equal to our God, and that is worthy of death. So they took him to be crucified. And on his way, Jesus went to the cross, still making that claim that he 
was the Messiah, God in the flesh who had come to take away the sin of the world. And either that was true or he was just a crazy man. Now listen to what C.S. Lewis, the author and uh, English professor at Oxford and Cambridge University said about Jesus. He said, a man who said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. So on that Friday, when Jesus was crucified, everyone was deciding about Jesus. They were deciding what to believe about him. Jesus' followers were in shock and disbelief. I mean, they, they were going, how is this possible that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, would allow himself to be killed in this moment? I mean, we had such incredible momentum. How is it possible that he is dying on a cross? Then the religious leaders were making fun of Jesus. They said, if you really are God in the flesh, I mean, just save yourself in this moment. If you're God, you have the ability. And because you aren't saving yourself, you're not God. And then the Romans, the Romans who oversaw Jesus' death, the, the Romans who did not care about their faith system, did, did not believe the things that the Jews believed. Even the Romans wrestled with what to decide about Jesus. King of the Jews! King, King of the, the Jews. Jews! And now for the spoils, his clothes. Tiberius, a piece for you. And there's one for you, Agrippa. And Cassius, there's a piece for you. And there's one for me. Good job, men. Another day, another crucifixion. Whoa, there's one more piece. It's seamless. Who gets it? We can tear it into four pieces, one for each of us. Whoa, 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 whoa. If it's seamless, it's far too valuable to tear apart. I'm always up for casting lots. Yeah, I'm in, but not with your dice, Agrippa. Not after the last game. Don't think I don't know how you won that one. I'm in, too. Cassius, you in? Huh? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess. You know, I was thinking about one of the guys who crucified today. Which one? The thief? The other thief or that crazy king of the Jews? Jesus. What about that crazy rabbi? What if, what if this Jesus is who he says he is? There's just something kind of different about him. Yeah, a homeless rabbi is really the Jews' long-awaited Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. And it's not like we haven't seen one of these messiahs before. Just... Did you guys see the look in his eyes when we placed that crown of thorns on his head and called him king of the Jews? It's just that a man who thought he was someone would have said something. He would have cried out. He didn't open his mouth. In fact, he's never opened his mouth. Not during his trial. Not during the walk to Golgotha. Not even to object to our mockery as he went up the hill. How many times have we seen that kind of thing happen? After the flogging we gave him, he probably wasn't able to speak. I think of Griffa. Busted his ribs pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he did. Did you guys hear about all the miracles he did? 
feeding 5,000 people from a few loaves and a couple of fish. Hungry people, no longer hungry. Demons cast out. People being healed of leprosy. Leprosy. The dead coming back to life. They say he could command the waves of the sea. One man would be capable of doing something like that. And what about all the things his people say he did? His people? You mean those 12 men that followed him? Where are they now? They've all left him. And all the rest? Praise them one day and accuse them the next. His followers didn't believe. They just followed the teacher of the hour. And this man who claims to raise the dead to life, who supposedly saves so many, can't even save himself from the cross. Tell me you really believe he could be God. Yeah, I don't know. He taught so differently too, you know? He taught love over hate, forgiveness over revenge, peace over anger. He said to put others first. What he taught was so different from all the other teachers, so different from the world we live in. You know, I overheard someone saying that he was sacrificing himself for the sins of the world. What man would do that? No man. Yeah, ain't that the truth. I wouldn't be dying for any of you dogs. And he said he'd come back to life. Three days. Said by Sunday. Come back to life? After the scourging we put him through? After we hung him on a cross? Cassius, you mean to insult us? We're the best of all pilots' men for this work. And you and I both know... If he comes back to life, we will all find ourselves on crosses. Agrippa, do you believe what Cassius is saying? Will this Jesus come back to life? Not after what we put him through. He'll die like all the rest. And the dead are dead. I don't know. Something different about this man. What if he is who he says he is? You know, Cassius, it's your role. So when the Romans gambled over Jesus' belongings, they were gambling over far more than just his clothes. They were gambling over who he really was, and they didn't understand the implications of what they were doing in that moment. And after Jesus' death, one Roman soldier said, this man truly was the son of God. He watched him die. He watched that whole processional, and he watched Jesus die. And in that moment, he said, He was who he said he was. And that was before his resurrection. He said he was who he said he was. He came to that realization. And I don't know what that uh, Roman soldier did in that moment. I don't know what the other Roman soldiers did that were around Jesus' death. I would love to believe that in that moment, they put their faith and trust in the Jesus that they crucified. And now they're spending eternity in heaven with him. That would be amazing. We're not sure what they decided, but the reality for all of us is that we're all where Cassius was in that skit. We've all been given dice. We've all been asked to decide what we believe about Jesus. So some people take the dice that that they've been given and they bet their lives on the belief that Jesus was just a good man. He was a good man. He had some good things to offer society and our world. A little mistaken on the whole God thing, but you know, he had some nice things to offer and I'll filter through which things I'll apply to my life and other things that I'll keep out. There's other people who say, you know, this whole Jesus thing is such a joke. They roll their dice. They bet their lives on the belief that God doesn't exist. They say there can't be a God in this world. Jesus was totally misled about that. I mean, look around our world at all the sin and evil that's in our world. There cannot be a God. I have a friend from high school 
who has rolled his dice and he is betting his life on that belief system. There are other people who roll their dice and bet their lives on God being a very generous God if he does exist. And they say, you know what? You know, my good life will count for something that hopefully God will grade on a curve. You know, that we stand before God. If there is a God, he'll put my good deeds on a scale on one side and my bad deeds on the other side of the scale. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad, then, then he'll grant me entrance into heaven. If my bad deeds outweigh my good, then he'll send me to this place called hell. Now, here's the problem with that belief system that many people in our world subscribe to. We can't figure out where the line is between good and bad. There's always someone worse than we are. And then we say, well, I'm a, I'm a decent person. At least I'm not like him. And we compare ourselves with somebody else who we think is worse off than we are. Guess what that person does? I may not be the best person in the world, but at least I'm not like him. And we keep moving the line. So we're not exactly sure where that line is. And again, most people in the world are betting their lives on their good deeds, doing something for them when they stand before God. And some people roll their dice, and bet their lives on the belief that Jesus really was God in the flesh, that he really did rise from the grave on that first Easter morning. And these people say what he said in John 14, 6 really is true. He is the only way to be connected with God. He's the only way to spend eternity with God in this real place called heaven. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone. That's what I've bet my life on. I've bet my life on the belief that Jesus was who he said he was and he died so I can live. He died in my place on the cross. Listen to what Romans 3 says. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, love those two words. I mean, we were in a spot of hopelessness. And yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. I wish we could spend a lifetime trying to understand that one sentence. We give God a lot of flack for coming up with this uh, death sentence thing where something has to die for payment of sin. And God came up with a system knowing he would be the only one that would have to pay it. The only one that would have to pay that price. So people are made right with God when they do a bunch of good works. Doesn't say that. It says people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That's what I've bet my life on. That's what drives me to do what I do, to live how I live, to guide our church, to reach more and more people with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I've rolled my dice. I've bet my life on the reality of God's free gift of grace that's extended to all of humanity on the belief in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, if you would, grab that die that you've been given. Roll that around in your hand for just a moment, okay? God has given you dice to roll. He's given you the opportunity to bet your life on something. So how are you going to roll your dice? What are you going to bet your life on? 
Who do you believe Jesus is? Is he your savior? Has he died for your sins? Or is he just a crazy Jewish rabbi? Now, some people are tempted to say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not sure. You know, there's so many different faith systems around the world. I'm not sure. I don't want to be wrong, so I'm going to hold on to my dice. I'm not going to roll my dice. But here's the reality. You don't have that privilege. When we die, that's a roll of the dice. Your dice will be thrown. That is your decision. And if you say, I'm going to withhold my decision, that speaks very loudly to God as you stand before him. God asks that we make a decision about Jesus before we leave this earth and stand in his presence. So you can't just hold on to it and say, well, I'll just wait and hope that God's a a merciful God. He is a very merciful God. But we will live with the benefits or the consequences for all of eternity on how we rolled the dice that we've been given. The Bible teaches everyone will live forever somewhere. Everyone lives forever. You'll either live in this real place called heaven that God has prepared for those who love him, or you'll live in this real place called hell, a place that God doesn't want anyone going. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus said, listen, I don't want anyone going to hell. It wasn't created for humanity. It was created for angels who turned away from God. Don't want any humans to go there. So Jesus made a way so that we wouldn't go there. Now, you can probably tell that I believe Jesus is worth betting your life on. I think he's worth flinging the doors of your heart open and saying, listen, I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he rose on that Easter Sunday morning. He's the only way that you can be reconnected with God. But I can't roll your dice for you. I wish I could. I wish I could take that dice and then take your hand and roll it and say, you know, we're rolling it and you're going to believe this, but I can't. Your parents can't. Your kids can't, your friends can't. Nobody else can roll the dice that you've been given. Only you can roll that dice and decide what you believe about Jesus. Now, maybe you've rolled those dice before. Maybe you've said, you know, I've already put my faith and trust in Jesus. And that's awesome if you have. But there may be a few people here today who say, listen, I haven't done that. Uh, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Or maybe you would say, you know what? I bet my life on another belief system, and I'm not so sure that's the right belief system. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to take your dice back so you can re-roll. And that's the cool thing about a relationship with God is God allows us to do that. Again, Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. Everyone falls short of God's glorious standard. The everyone in that passage means everyone. There's not a person that you're going to see that has not sinned. The only perfect person that ever walked the planet Earth was Jesus Christ, and we crucified him for his perfection. So we've all sinned. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages that we earn for that sin. It says the wages of sin is death. So what we deserve because of the sin that we've committed is this thing called death. Whether it's a big sin or a little sin, God says all sin separates us in our relationship and deserves death. But that statement continues on, that verse continues on with the most encouraging uh, part of that verse that could ever be given to someone on death row. It says the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So eternal life is a free gift that costs us nothing 
And it costs God everything. God makes it available to everyone on planet Earth. It says it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been. I'm going to make it available to everyone when you believe what Jesus did for you. But God won't force that on you. That wouldn't be a loving thing to do. God won't force you to roll your dice and believe in Jesus. You can reject it. You can ignore it. You can despise it. Or you can receive this free gift that God offers for all of eternity. Now, before we celebrate communion this morning, I'm going to guide you through a short prayer. There should be a card around your seats that I encourage you to grab. And if you need to share one with somebody else, do that. It's just a little card. It's got a simple little prayer on it. Um, and if you this morning would like to bet your life on Jesus, I'm going to guide you through this short prayer. Now, let me just uh, say this about, about this prayer. And it's something I say whenever I guide people through a prayer like this. There's nothing magical about the words on this page. This is not the secret code. Okay, you're not going to say this and then poof, you know, you're in. All right. So what God cares about is the sincerity of your heart when you pray this. What God cares about are the elements contained in this prayer. That's what's most important to God. So I'm going to first read through this and then just see, is this what you believe? Is this what you'd like to bet your life on? All right, so here's how this simple prayer goes. God I admit to you that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That's a profound element of this prayer. That, hey, God, I've messed up. Either in a little way, a big way, doesn't matter. I've messed up and I've separated us in our relationship. I'm a sinner. I'm admitting it. And I need a savior. What do sinners need? Saviors. So I need you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus, are God in the flesh and died so I can live. Today, I'm betting my life on that reality. I'm rolling the dice you've given me on the belief that Jesus really came to take my sin away. And because of that, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Today, I commit to follow you the rest of my life and learn to live the way that you desire. Obviously, another critical element. Can you say, listen, I prayed the prayer, I'm good. I can live any way I want. No. If your life doesn't back up the prayer that you prayed, then you're on thin ice. And it doesn't mean that we, we get in a relationship with God based upon good works. That stuff comes after. But our lives should show that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. Now, let me just say one more thing before I lead you through this prayer for those who may want to do this. If you've prayed this prayer before, you don't need to pray it again. I believe the Bible teaches that when you genuinely put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's a gift that you get that cannot be taken away from you. It can't be taken away from you the next time you screw up. There are some people that, that believe that. Every time they mess up, they feel like they have to get resaved again. They have to pray that prayer again to get back in God's relation, get back in a relationship with God. But here's the deal. Our relationship with God is based upon what God has done for us, not what we have done for him. I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. We can't do enough good things to keep a relationship with God. It's just not possible. So God's free gift 
is this relationship that's offered to people who genuinely believe and then follow Jesus. So if you've prayed this prayer before, just rest in knowing that you have this relationship and do your best to live the way God wants you to live. Now again, there may be some people here today that say, I've never prayed that before. I would like to put my faith in Jesus. I would like to roll my dice and bet my life on who he said that he was. So if that's you, I'm gonna guide all of us through this prayer. I'm just gonna read it. And what I ask is that you pray this silently between you and God. If this is something that resonates with your heart, if this is what you wanna do, if this is what you wanna communicate to God, as I read this, you read this and you speak to God directly, okay? So here we go. God, I admit to you that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe you, Jesus, are God in the flesh and died so I can live. Today, I am betting my life on that reality. I'm rolling the dice you've given me on the belief that Jesus really came to take my sin away. And because of that, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Today, I commit to follow you the rest of my life and learn to live the way that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, I just want to say congratulations to you. You are now part of the family of God. So the Bible teaches in that moment you are adopted into God's family. And when you stand before God, he will say to you, welcome home. And so congratulations to you. Now, here's a few things that I encourage you to do if you've prayed that prayer for the first time this morning. First thing is I encourage you to tell someone what you've just done. So after the service, come tell me about it. If you came with somebody else, tell them about it. Uh, Tell someone you don't know. Um, I don't care who you tell. Tell someone at Walmart later today. Just tell someone what you've done. Just say, listen, I have bet my life on Jesus. I rolled the dice this morning. And then ask them, like, what have you done with Jesus? What What are you betting your life on? Tell someone so we can celebrate with you your new relationship with God. Then the next thing I encourage you to do is visit our website at theepicchurch.com. We've got some great spiritual resources there that can help you grow in your new relationship. So here's here's an analogy that, that I use related to when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's like a seed planted in the soil of your heart. And you have a responsibility to take care of that seed. You have a responsibility to help that seed grow to be all that God wants you to be. So there's some great resources that can help you with that. Under our resources tab, there's some spiritual articles that you can find like this. I gave my heart to Jesus, what's next? Bible Basics 101, how the Bible was put together. How can I study the Bible? Again, there's some great resources there to help you. If you need a Bible, if you don't have a copy of the Bible for your own, I encourage you to take one of the Bibles that we have at the back of each seating section. Take one, take 10, take them and hand them out. Hand it to the person at Walmart. You're telling that you bet your life on Jesus, okay? Give them a Bible and give them your dice and ask them what they're gonna bet their lives on, all right? So the next thing I encourage you to do is to sign up for our baptism today. I can't think of a better day to be baptized than on Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And I'm not sure how many we have signed up for baptism so far. There's 10 or 12 or something. Um, But we would love 
to help celebrate baptism for you. Now, just make this clear. Baptism and salvation are two different things. That prayer, what happened in that moment is called salvation. Baptism is a public declaration before God and other people of what you've done, the decision you've made in your heart about Jesus. Baptism does not save you. You do not go to heaven because you were baptized. You go to heaven because you've put Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior. You believe he is the Messiah who died for you. So again, we would love to celebrate your baptism today if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. Uh, We'll tell you more about that during the announcements. And the last thing that I encourage you to do is I encourage you to take that card during communion and just place it on one of our communion tables. We've got two communion tables up front. We've got two in the back. When you come up for communion, just place the card there. And what's going to happen to those cards is they're going to get to our elder team. And our elder team who provides spiritual direction to our church and pray for our church on a consistent basis, they're going to pray for you. And if you would like us to know who you are, just write your name on the back of the card. If, if that doesn't matter, just turn the card in. We would love to be praying specifically for you in your new relationship with God. Now, when it comes to communion, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered his closest followers for this last supper that he was going to have, this last meal that he would eat with them before his death. And think about, if you knew this was your last meal, you were going to eat at uh, this afternoon or maybe tonight, what would it be like for you? I mean, would you be very careful with the words that you shared with people? Would you be very specific? Would you say specific things about the importance of life in that moment? I think we all would. But Jesus was very specific about what he wanted his followers to do and know and celebrate for, uh, for all of, of time until he comes back again. So this meal was very symbolic and his disciples, they had no clue that we would be celebrating it today in this context. So in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So communion is a regular reminder to us that we have bet our lives on Jesus, that Jesus really did die on the cross, that Jesus really did rise again on that first Easter morning, and that Jesus really will come again one day to take us home to be with him. Now, here's how we celebrate communion at Epic. Again, we have two tables up front and we have two tables in the back. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then you're going to be free to get up out of your seats and move to one of these tables. And as you come to the table, you'll see a tray of bread. You'll see a tray uh, with juice on it. I encourage you to grab a piece of bread, grab a cup of juice, and either step to one side or you can go sit back down in your seat. And during the, the communion song that's being played, I encourage you to have a conversation with God. I encourage you to thank him for being a God worth betting on, that we can bet our lives on him and know that one day we'll spend eternity with him. Thank him for sending Jesus to die so you can live. 
thank him that our faith isn't just built upon what happened on Friday, that our faith is built upon an empty tomb that happened on Sunday. By the end of the song that's being played, everyone should have taken communion, okay? So by the end, we should all be finished. If you're a guest with us, communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus. So whether you call this your church home or not, if you're a believer in Jesus, then we ask you to participate in this uh, sacrament together. We would love for you to be a part of our, our communion time. And just remember, if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time today, just place that card on one of our communion tables and our elders will get that and start praying for you. Now let's pray together. God, I thank you for this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Lord, that our faith is built upon this event that happened where Jesus, on Easter Sunday, you rose from the grave. Even, the, even death couldn't hold you. You defeated the curse of sin and death that we had brought onto the world, and you made it possible for us to be restored in a right relationship with God through belief in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. So Jesus, you are alive and well. And you offer to all of us this thing called eternal life. You make it available to everyone. You don't force us to choose it, but you offer it to us. So this morning, Lord, we are so grateful for the the gift of eternal life that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that as we celebrate communion, Lord, that we'll understand in a whole new way that you backed, up with, you backed up all the claims that you made about yourself with an empty tomb, that what you said really was true, that you really were God who became flesh to die so we could live. Thank you for rising on that Easter morning. And Lord, we look forward to your return. In Jesus' name. Amen. You are now free to come take communion. Well, thank you so much for celebrating what Christ did for us. And uh, that die that you have, we want you to take that home. And if you made that decision today, we want you to put it in a place that you remember the decision that you made today. And um, if you've already made that decision, put it in a place that you can see to remind yourself that other people need to hear what God has done for them as well. Well, my name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. I just have a couple announcements to wrap us up. Uh, the first is that, again, as Trent mentioned, we are having a baptism today. So if you put your faith in Christ today, we would love for you to follow that up with baptism today. We are having baptism at 5.30 today at Flagler Beach, 16th North Street. It's right there on your announcement sheet. Uh, if you've put your faith in Christ and have never been baptized, it's not too late for you to get baptized. If you would, see me at the Connection Center and I'll be able to get you signed up and we'll be able to get you out there this afternoon to baptize. And we would want to encourage all of you to come on out as we celebrate these people who are going public with the decision that they made inwardly. And so we would love to have you out there to root these people on. There's about 15 of you who are getting baptized today as well. And then next week, we are having a new message series. It is called Purpose. And so we are going to be looking at the question of what on earth am I here for? Uh, Why was I made? And uh, it's a great series that you're going to enjoy. To help us during that series, we're actually going to be using uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven 
Life book. He revised it. It's a great book. And if you're interested in going through that series with us and going through the book, we're having all of our community groups go through it as well. Go to the Connection Center and the books are only $10. And so next week we'll be starting that series here on Sunday. And there's uh, real easy to go through the book. There's day one, day two, and you just read that portion for that day uh, during the message series. And then uh, next week, um, we are also. Um, having, well, actually on your seats, there's an announcement sheet for you. And so if you want to know what's going on with Epic, uh, feel free to always grab one of those announcement sheets. There are announcements on the front and back so you can figure out what's going on with Epic and so that you have uh, a great idea of what's going on here at Epic. If you're new today, we are so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us on Easter. And then today we're going to end with a uh, huge song. And so with Brandon leading us out. So if you wouldn't mind, would you stand with us and we're going to rock out this Easter Sunday. <laughs> 